Father, we give you thanks. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the word of liberty that you have given us in Christ Jesus. Thank you for the spirit that you have put into us that draws us to you. We give you praise in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's declare that word. Say, now I declare. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. His word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Please, can you preach to somebody beside you? Tell the person, understanding has come to you today in Jesus' name. Tell somebody else, understanding has come to you in the name of Jesus. Tell somebody you are very wise. You left everything you have to do to come and hear the word of God. You are wise. You left every other thing to come and pray. You are wise. And God will do a miracle in your life in the name of Jesus. I'm not praying for you. I say pray for somebody. What's your... He will do something new for you. This year, he will surprise you with something before it is over. In the name of Jesus Christ. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Let's take our seat. I just want to share something with us briefly. All right, so our school of prayer, we learn to pray here. And not only do we pray, we also learn to pray. We take time out, as you've seen, for the first 30 minutes. What we've been doing is praying. And then after that, we'll do some teaching. And then we pray some more. And then we close. The aim is for us to create a culture of effective prayer. That's just what it is. The aim is to create the culture of effective prayer. There are all kinds of things out there. There's the way people pray, and it's like the Gentiles. Jesus said that. When you want to pray, don't pray like the Gentiles. You know, and I am sorry to say, a lot of the prayers I see Christians pray these days, they are prayers like the Gentiles. So we have to continue learning and continue teaching how to pray the way God wants. It's not every prayer that the Lord delights in. There are prayers people bring to him. Some he just ignores entirely. Others he might answer, but he's not excited by them, by the prayer points contained therein. But you can pray in such a manner that God will be happy. Solomon prayed in such a manner that the Lord was excited. The Lord was happy with his prayer points. There are times we are sitting on one prayer point. From the beginning, the Lord has said, don't waste your time. I'm not going to answer it. You know, it happens sometimes. Yes, you know, Jeremiah was praying. God called Jeremiah and said, oh boy, if you like, go and call Moses. If you like, go and <laughs> call Samuel. And the three of you gang up against me. It will, nothing will happen. I still will not answer. It happens sometimes like that. Um, John had to tell us, if you see a brother committing a sin that is like this, pray for him. You, the Lord will grant him life because of your prayer. He said, but if you see this kind of, prayer, this kind of activity going on, he said, I'm not saying you should pray for that. That is, he said, if you see him committing a sin that is unto death, it shows that we need to be trained in even the prayers we pray in intercession for people, in supplications for people. It is not everything you ask about. Are you getting my point? All right, so you have to be careful. I'm just saying all of these to help us understand why it's important for us to continue to learn. Even this thing I just told you now, I thought about it over the last uh, about two weeks ago, so less than two weeks now. But I just asked myself, I said, wait, what exactly is a prayer, a sin I was somebody committing? And I will be praying that God should give the person life. I said, I need to investigate further. Are you getting my point? I need to investigate further. It's important. All right, because that's how prayer becomes effective. So that's how I will continue to teach. 
All right, I, I believe very strongly it's one of the most important things we are doing, this um, school of prayer. It's one of the most important things we are doing to help brethren, the people of God, know what to pray for. In today's Christianity, at least in our country, I don't know about what's going on in Russia. I don't know what's going on in Australia. And I'm not sure what's going on in America. But Nigeria, a lot of prayers we pray, my God. When do one want to start prayer? Hey, God will put on music, you know? <laughs> Why is he putting on music? Because he doesn't want to hear what we are saying. You get my point. Yes, we pray a lot of prayers that the Lord is not happy with. And that's why we need to continue. And God cannot do something. You know, today, I just thought about it. I've actually, I decided to listen to myself. I hardly do that. So in the last few days, I started listening to myself. Something led to it. Some things led to it. Actually, what happened that I was, somebody was listening to me all the time. I told you. So the man will quote something I said. And I'm not aware I said it. I don't know whether you get my point. He quotes you. You nod, but in your mind, why did I say that? <laughs> and sometimes you hear a statement from your own mouth in a message that is plain. And that statement blesses you so much. Well, I said, all right, let me listen to some things I said before. So I was listening. And I just realized something, okay? I said, look, listen. If I tweeted, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll have gotten that this afternoon. Because I said that, you know, sometimes I say, these are the kind of leaders we need in this country. And God said, I won't give you the leaders you need. I give the leaders you deserve. There's a word of difference. I know the leaders you need. That is different from the one you deserve. You may need a good leader that will do the do. Because why would I give him to you? You're not worthy of it. You're not worthy of him. There are people who are praying that God put in political office. God says, if I put them there, it's like sending Jesus to his hometown. He will there do no mighty work. It happens. So what is the duty? That's, I'm not talking about that. My emphasis is not on that. My emphasis is on the duty we have as believers so that good things can come to our land, so that good things can come into our lives. We have to learn even to pray properly. We have to learn to pray prayers that seek the kingdom so that every other thing can now be added. But many times we take prayers that are seeking the things that are supposed to be added. And Jesus said, listen, I gave you a limited amount of hours in a day. I gave you a limited number of hours to pray. You must be careful that those prayers are effective. If you spend all that time praying on things I'm supposed to add freely, you'll, even though you will get those things, you'll have wasted the coming of the kingdom. You'll have wasted the time you were supposed to have prayed for the coming of the kingdom. Praying for those things is a waste of time. You'll have gone the many way and gotten uh, uh, two for the price of one. You pray for, like now, you can pray for your food. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? With what shall we clothe ourselves? And God gives you everything, but the kingdom does not come. Or you can pray for the kingdom and it comes into your life. It comes into your environment. And every other thing is added to it. So which one makes more sense? It's better to pray for that kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So the righteousness of God and his kingdom comes into your life without you having to ask for it. The beautiful thing about things that you didn't ask for is that many things you did not know to ask for will still come to. That's one beautiful thing about it. If I have to ask for things, I have to be detailed. That's why I start preaching messages like Tell God exactly what you want. And God says, you don't even know what you want. You know me and that doctrine of exactly, exactly. You know, I don't believe it. I, I've stopped preaching things like that like 20 years ago. That exactly, exactly. That gives an impression that you know exactly what you want. That's the impression it gives. But the matter of fact in life is that many times you don't even know what you want. Sometimes people create an impression for you. If you are going to be a pastor, you need a wife that can sing. Yeah. I don't know. You never got that impression before. You think every pastor, when he's coming up, his wife must give a special number. So, you know, you'll be praying. God say, oh boy, it's not like that, though. 
You will ask yourself, who used to sing for Paul before he ministered? You are getting my point? So that if you, you create an impression, you go out, you start asking. Asking God, do this for me. And the Lord says, oh boy, you don't need that. That's why I don't believe in you must be specific. Tell God exactly. If you are able to know it, fine. But most times you don't. It's better to seek what the Lord says you should seek. And then let other things be what? Added. When the Lord is the one adding, he can arrange it. He knows what exactly you need that you did not know you needed. Like I always say, there are times you are praying for 500 naira. God said, this boy never see anything. When this matter gets down, you'll be needing 5,000. And you have been fasting and praying for 500 naira. But the day of the need, he said, it's 5,000 you will need. So if he's the one adding, he gets 5,000 ready. If you're the one asking, you will ask for 500. Thank God he can do exceedingly abundantly far above what we can ask or even think. What I want to say is that's why it's important for us to learn how to pray properly. That's why we keep on doing this. We'll come to the end just trying to emphasize what we do in our school of prayers. Just to create a habit of effective praying. That's what we're trying to do. Now I just want to remind us of something. I wanted to do this last time, but I got overtaken by the things I was saying. Today I want to, um, you know, I felt like titling my message, The Arrow of God. Somebody say The Arrow of God. There's a book like that. Who wrote it? Yeah, sure, it's Chino Achebe. Okay, okay. Yes, I just, I said that's a very nice thing to, let's talk about the, <laughs> the arrow of God. The Lord is good. Nothing new, same thing we have said before, just to remind ourselves. We're going to read from Second Kings, from verse 14. So when Elisha became sick with the illness of which he was to die, that is what he finally died from. Joash, the king of Israel, came to him and wept over him and said, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and you know, some arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. And he put his hand on it. Then Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. He said, open the window toward the east, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, the, the Lord's arrow of victory, even the arrow of victory over Aram, for you will defeat the Arameans at Ephek until you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows, and he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. And he struck it three times and stopped. So the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Aram until you would have destroyed it. But now you shall strike Aram only three times. Then Elisha died and they buried him. Let's just stop here. Now, that's Second Kings chapter 13. We just read from verse 14 to verse 19. You know, once my wife and I sat at home, and we, we do that a lot, we're talking. I think she's the one I talk to most. Don't you think so? Yes. Because I'm only seeing my wife and I were talking. And now, so, one day my wife and I were talking at home, and we're analyzing this particular portion of the scriptures. And you were just wondering. Now, this was what happened. Of course, just like we read, Elisha, called on the king of Israel, that's Joash, and told him to come. And Joash called Elisha, um, two, three names. One, he called him my father. 
They call him the chariots of Israel, and they call him the horsemen of Israel. That is what he was saying is that, look at the help that has been helping me. It was not my victory, it wasn't from the physical armies that I had, but my victory was from the prophetic word that was guiding my operations. So that's why he said, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Now that's King James' expression, and the horsemen. Now, what, now Elisha now told him, take a bow and arrows. So he told him to shoot, that man shot. And I said, take the arrows and then strike the earth. All right, three, uh, it's trying to strike. He did not tell him the number of times he was supposed to strike. He just told him strike. And he began to watch the man striking. Now, the point about it is this. He didn't tell the man exactly how often, how many times he should do it. So the guy did the number of times, and then he stopped. Now, the question my wife asked that is that, okay, now the prophet was angry. Why did the man not strike more times? Why was the prophet angry? Because he realized that this battle will go on, all right, and you need to kill your enemies till they die. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, you need to, according to my, one of my friends, say you, you have to kill them dead. Yes, there's one advert like that. One insect that I kills mosquitoes dead. You understand? That you kill the mosquitoes till they die. And I have a same friend of mine that uses that. He would tell me that, wow, this chicken is fresh. It was killed while they were still alive. Don't ask me what it means, all right? So you need to kill your enemies dead. Now, it may sound funny, but the fact is that Elisha understood that you couldn't kill them three times. Yeah, you couldn't kill them four times and they would die. You have to keep killing them until you have killed them enough times, like five, six, and let me add my own to it, seven times, and then you'll be guaranteed that they are very dead. And then spiritually, being dead is like microbiology dead. It just means, the thing is physically there, it just means it cannot affect you. That's what it means in spiritual things when you say something is dead. So you want to push it to the extreme where it doesn't have any energy to recover. Do you get my point here? Let me just digress briefly. Jesus was not tempted only once. Most of us read that story as if Jesus went to the wilderness once and he was tempted once. All right? But it wasn't like that. He had to resist the temptation. Now, the Bible gave us those uh, accounts. In fact, Bollinger believes that there were two of them. And that's why he started different from one gospel to another. That Bollinger believes that it was twice that Satan told Jesus, all right, to turn the stones to bread. He believed Satan told him that two times. I'm not going to bore you with the details now. He will tell you it was twice Satan told Jesus to jump down. It was twice he told him to, um, what's the third one? To bow down to him, yes. That was twice. Now, but whether that was twice or not, but the point remains that Jesus was not tempted only once. It could not have been. Satan, in fact, the Bible says that he left him for a season. That's it. it he will come back. He comes back wearing different people's flesh. At the point in time, he came back wearing Peter's flesh. He will keep coming back. So what we need to do is to continually overcome. Do you get my point? You have to continually overcome. You have to make overcoming a a thing in your life. You cannot just tell, "Ah, that thing I've overcome it and it's behind me. Yes, it is behind. It's weaker than it used to be. But the temptation will rise again, then you overcome it again. The more the number of times you overcome, the easier it is next time. Do you understand? As I said, spiritually, killing this, let me use that expression, killing these enemies dead, you understand? Killing them totally does not mean they totally cease to exist. 
It just means that they get to a point where their power is so weak, they can do next to nothing to you. Now, remember, please, let's always, let's just drop this one, by the way. We're not talking about the kind of enemies now that, um, uh, okay, Israel faced that time, or the type that uh, Christians are giving us the impression we have to face now. We are looking for enemies in the office, enemies in the business arena, enemies in, um, in the marketplace, physical enemies. The Bible tells us we do not wrestle against what? Flesh and blood. Human beings are not the enemies. Let's get that clear, all right? I, I believe we all know that. But there's a spiritual principle. And what is the spiritual principle? That whatever we are overcoming, we have to overcome very well. So that day my wife said, how was this man supposed to know? The prophet did not say strike five times, six times, or seven times. He just told the man, strike. So we began to think. That was my own, in fact, both of us began to reason about it. And what we came to that day, that was the lesson we left that place with, was that, listen, if God says strike, keep striking until he says stop striking. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Whatever it is to do, just continue doing is called patience. If he says speak, don't speak once and say, I have spoken. The Lord says, speak to the tree. You and tree, and I don't get conversation for the rest of your life with that. <laughs> you won't stop speaking until he says, ah, it's enough now. He said, Lord, ah, you said speak. Once you have spoken, twice I have heard it. Are you getting my point? That, that means, I mean, the thing will keep bouncing back to me. Now, you see where I'm going in a moment, okay? So we just said, look, if the Lord says speak, make it a habit to be speaking. Is that continuity I want to talk about again today to remind us of it? We've talked about this many times before. Is that continuity I want us to talk about? So that day, as we're speaking, we're just analyzing this particular portion of the scriptures. That the king should have continued to strike until the prophet told him to strike. Because notice that the Bible says in verse 19 that the man of God was angry with him. And he said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you will have struck Aram until you will have destroyed it. Now this is the point I want you to understand. Well, the man, his striking was a sign, even for Elisha. Maybe Elisha was watching to see the zeal that this man had for God. Maybe Elisha was watching to see how dedicated this man would be to victory. So the moment he saw that he struck only three times, he realized that total victory would not come by the hands of this particular man. And actually, exactly what happened. He was able to defeat Aram in battle only three times. As I'm talking about the arrow of God. How do we use it? All right? You overcome something today. Listen to me. The Aram in your life will raise his head again. Then you will have to overcome that Aram again. Then when you overcome the Aram again, it will raise his head a third time. Don't be discouraged. What did I say? Let me say that again. That Aram may show up again, but please, people of God, don't be discouraged. It doesn't mean the victory was not won the first time. It's just the way spiritual things are. Are you getting my point here? It's as if it's sent to us to check how dedicated we are to the victory of God. Let me use that expression. The arrow of God, as far as we are concerned, is the word of God. That is what we use to gain victory. Let's just use that arrow, okay, for now, to typify any weapon we use for spiritual battle. That is what we use to gain victory. And what I want to emphasize this evening is that, listen, we must never get discouraged. You first sick last year, you prayed over something, declared the word of God, and that migraine that troubled you for four years before you get to know scriptures disappeared. And you are rejoicing. You testified about it. Six months later, he wakes you up in the morning. 
The typical thing, Satan will come and tell you, it doesn't work, it doesn't work, it's not permanent. Tell Satan, it's just Aram, don't worry. I don't know what I, did you hear what I said? Yes, sir. When the thought comes to your mind, what do you say? It's just Aram, don't worry about it. You take the same arrow again and fire. Listen to me, it will go again. Are you getting my point? It may show up another time, I don't know. But one thing you just know is that no matter what happens, you are persistent in using that arrow. What happens a lot of times is that people just immediately assume that it did not work. That is what the problem is. Spiritual things, life is an ongoing battle. You keep fighting. That's just the way it is. Life is, the way it is, it's not that I've just done this and I'm done. No. You keep climbing. You keep fighting. The Bible says he upholds all things. He didn't say he upheld. He upholds all things by the word of his power. That is the word that God spoke at the beginning. is still reverberating. It's still going around. That's why you and I are standing here today. That's why this concrete pillar is here. That's why this building can stand. That's why there are still trees. The word that he released is still flowing around to, to keep those things he brought into existence, to keep them in existence. The word keeps coming forth. I hope you're getting my point. That word keeps coming forth. Except that word keeps coming forth, things begin to disintegrate. Are you following me? It is not sound doctrine. The one we teach ourselves a lot of times, thinking that, you know, as if God always does things instantaneously. He doesn't do that often. Once in a while, he does it. Once in a while, you are hungry, manna falls from heaven. Are you getting my point? It's my fall from heaven. Once in a while. Let me just give you a word of counsel. Don't get used to it. It's a word of counsel. Don't get used to it. Don't expect manna to continue to rain. Listen. The people of Israel, once they enter into the promised land, the first experience was the cessation of manna. God said, God said, don't do. All of you, farm. Get your weapons and start digging. Start planting. Know the seasons for crops. But no Christians unconsciously will just teach as if God of miracles. As if God is a God of what? Miracles. He just wakes up in the morning. He doesn't sleep anyway. Okay, we just wake up in the morning and he just does miracles. We want to not live our lives miraculously every day. Listen to me. You will not live your life miraculously every day, even though your life is supernatural. But you, you, you get the point I'm going to make here. That it's not, but it's, it's this, the power of God is working with you. But your life will not appear supernatural. It won't appear miraculous every day. Let me give an example. How many times did David kill? Okay, let me put it like this. How many times did David win battles? You don't know the exact number of times, but many, let's just agree, many times. Okay? How many times did he kill a giant with a stone? Answer me now. Yes. Once. The next giant he tackled, did he use a stone and a bow and arrow? Uh, sorry, uh, and, a, and a sling? No. Next time he was going to battle, he and his men had different strategies. They used to win their wars, listen to me, apparently by strategies. It did not make it less supernatural, their victory. I don't know whether I get my point. I need to say that again. It did not make their victories less supernatural. Simply because they had strategies. We're going to go there in a moment. You know what happened at, at I, the one we've been talking about a number of times. First time they went to the battle, what happened? They lost. They went with only 3,000 men. Now, it is nothing for God to save with few. He can still save with few 
it can save with a multitude. Joshua sent them to battle with only 3,000 men. They lost that battle. But he came back, prayed, and the Lord told him exactly the reason why he lost it. It wasn't because of poor strategy. Next time he was going back, he went down with how many people? 30,000. Ten times the number of soldiers he went with the first time. Now, this time around, they had a different strategy. He broke the 30,000 men into two groups. One group attacked, while one group hid. The second group hid in the bush around. Now, the men of... Now, I'm describing the details to let you know there was planning. There was planning. The men of I saw the large number of soldiers. They were emboldened by the previous experience, so they all rushed out to fight. And it, it was part of the plan. The 15,000 thereabouts, the first band, fought a little bit and turned and began to run. That was to draw the men of Ai out of the city. Those ones were so bold, they ran after the Israelites. Of course, by the time they had run far enough, the other band hiding came out and attacked the defenseless city and then burnt the city up. Those who chased the first group looked back, saw the city on fire, and began to move back to go and fight those people in their city. Those ones by that time came out of the city. So what do you have? The soldiers of Ai in the middle and a sandwich of <laughs> Israelite soldiers. 30,000 strong this time. It was a slaughter. It was a slaughter. Now, what am I going to say here? Did they have a good strategy? But was that victory because of their strategy? No, 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 no. Let's just read it because I was planning to read it before. Let's just read it now. Good opportunity. Joshua chapter 8. The victory was not because of their strategy. The victory was because the Lord granted it to them. Now, I want us to read something. Everything I've told you is in Joshua chapter 8, but I want to read a particular verse. Now, verse 18. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the javelin that is in your hand toward I, for I will give it into your hand. Victory was of whom? Answer me. Who was given the victory? And how did he prove? Look at it. He told Joshua, Joshua did not go to this particular battle. He was a commander-in-chief. He did not go to this battle. He didn't. What he did was to stand some distance away. The Bible says in verse 18, So Joshua stretched out the javelin that was in his hand toward the city. Now, the hand of Joshua lifted what was what was directing the victory in the battle. The fact that Joshua's hand was up was what was now controlling victory. It was not a strategy. Now, let me emphasize something here. The fact that you have a strategy does not mean it is your wisdom. I don't know whether you're getting my point here. So, Christians, don't be afraid, you understand, to have what I call a usual plan. What I'm going to say is that when you wake up in the morning, the day should be ordered. There are pastors that will give you the impression that they are in the spirit. Service starts by nine. You don't know when he will come. So church members have this impression that pastor is praying. Is his church? Is the pastor of the church? He can show up by ten thirty, and they walk in like a spirit, coming from the throne of God, and then they stay there, and nobody can. Pray. The church service has no order. It's not a sign of spirituality. That's just the way you are. I don't know whether you are getting my point. The people that say service starting by 9 
and Pastor shows us by nine, they are not less spiritual than you. I don't know whether you're getting my point here. They're not less spiritual. They know that they are going to start preaching by 9.45. They are not less spiritual. You are following my point here. An average businessman knows when, how many staff I need, how, many, how much money are we investing. God will build us up in the midst of what appears normal. It does not remove the supernatural nature of your life. That's why I say that the blessed man appears like a lucky person. Things just, I mean, it's, things just work out. It's not as if I'm just going on the road. Hey, God, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? All of a sudden, money starts raining from heaven. It doesn't happen like that. Money for a businessman normally comes through business methods. Listen, it is very, very unusual. Listen, you are not a pastor. You are not a man of God. It's we that they get just dash money anyhow. If you're a businessman, let me tell you the truth. Nobody's dashing you money. Stop expecting it. Say God can't do anything. Is that not what we are saying? We know. We are talking about normally. Is that what he does? I know he can't do any, anything, but that's not what he does normally. What he does normally is that money that comes to you will be an investment. It will be a loan. It will be an investment. All right, we need something. All right, who's investing with me? That's how most monies will come to you. Then you will grow from being somebody that has a turnover of 10,000 a month to be a man that turns over 100,000 to a woman that turns over 1 million, 200 million all of a sudden. I mean, not all of a sudden. Are you getting my point? One day you find out you have left from 1 million, you have hit 100, 200. Then one day you comfortably will turn over 5 billion in a month, and to you it's normal. And if they tell you one particular month turnover is 4.8 billion, and you're wondering, that is not growth. Why are we going down? I don't know whether you're getting my point. Yes. And you'll be able to plot how you grew. It does not remove the spirituality of your experience. You hear what I said? It does not reduce anything from the spirituality of your experience, even though it looks fairly normal. When Joshua won the battle at Ai, that's why I gave you the strategy. He had a good strategy. He had a good strategy. But was that the thing that gave him victory? No. What gave him victory? Let's continue reading. In the midst of your strategies, people of God, learn to keep the arrow of God firing. That's what I'm trying to teach. Verse 26. Let us read from verse 24. Now, when Israel had finished killing all the inhabitants of Ai in the field in the wilderness where they pursued them, and all of them were falling by the edge of the sword until they were destroyed, then all Israel returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword. All who felt that day, both men and women, were 12,000. Can you see? Israel overwhelmed them. You can see that. All the people of Ai. Now, notice the reason. Why did they succeed? Verse 26. Read it in your Bible. Verse 26. Thank you very much. I didn't hear that. <laughs> Different, but anyway, but you get the point. Now, I just want you to read it yourself. Now, let me just read it out for the so we can get it recorded. For Joshua did not withdraw his hand with which he stretched out the javelin until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. If you go back to verse 18, you will see that God spoke to Joshua, stretched out that javelin that's in your hand towards that city. For 24, we saw the victory that they won. And how did they get that victory? Verse 26. Because Joshua did not withdraw his hand, with which he stretched the javelin until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Now, if you notice in verse 18, 
God said to Joshua, Stretch out the javelin that is in your hand towards I, for I will give it into your hand. So Joshua stretched out the javelin that was in his hand towards the city. Now I'm going to ask you a simple question. Did God tell him for how long? Did God tell him for how long? Somebody give me a pen. Just give me a pen. Thank you. This is what, um, no, the other king, the one talking with him. Um, the one talking with Elisha. Joash, thank you. The Joash attitude is, if God told Joash, stretch out your uh, hand towards I. You know what Joash will have done? Joash will have said, all right, where is I? Huh? All right. What next, sir? I don't know whether you're getting the point. What Joash will probably have done, on level like this, somebody with the spirit of Joash, will be to take the javelin. God says, stretch it towards the city. He, took, he will just take it, point towards the city. Man, let's go! Then drop the javelin and goes to fight. And that battle will have been rough. I don't know whether you're getting my point. The battle would have been rough. With their 30,000 soldiers, the battle would have been rough. Why? Because using the spirit of Joash, he would just point to the city and not understand what the Bible calls faith and patience. What about my faith and patience? We grew up having the impression that Moses, when he wanted to divide the Red Sea, he took his rod, he tapped the water. Go and watch it in films. He just dropped in the water like this. Then from that point, the water starts splitting. And then Moses will be looking and saying, man, I'm bad. You know that kind of thing? <laughs> no, that was not what happened. Listen to me. It was hard what Moses did. The man lifted his rod with both hands and stood there the whole night. You want to just declare one scripture and get result tomorrow. When it happens, we thank God. But God said, keep on striking these Arameans. Keep on striking them. You get healed today. These people of Aram, they want to show you two symptoms tomorrow. You strike them down again. And once you have struck them down like that twice, you've gotten used to the method. It works all the time. Get me used to it. It works all the time. You keep striking. Your, your, your life is a striking life. I don't know what I get my point. It's a striking life. The way you overcome temptation, using God's word, you use it again. Jesus used it all the days of his life. It gets better with time, but he has to do it all the time. Are you getting my point here? Jewish attitude. You point the spear in that direction, then you turn to the arm of flesh and stick with the arm of flesh alone. That is the Jewish attitude. The Moses and Joshua attitude. Listen, if you think Moses went to that place, tapped, and the dress is split, it didn't happen like that. Moses got there, lifted his rod over the sea. Oh boy, walk, don't start. If you get tired, he'll drop one hand. The rod has to stay up. You get tired, the street, the hand again, the rod has to stay up. I don't know whether God allowed Aaron to hold the rod. I really don't know. Because you know when they went to Amalek, the whole battle, throughout the battle, the rod of Moses had to be up. Of course, Moses had to stay on that mountain, in that battle, and keep his rod up. Now, to let you know, now listen to me. I told you before, Jesus said, my yoke is easy, and my burden is what? Light. But it's a yoke and it's a burden. It's just that it is easy. And it's light. What do I mean by that? It's still a yoke. It's still a burden. Comparing with being destroyed by the Egyptians or drowning the Red Sea, carrying your hands up a whole night is easy. And it is light. If you realize you are doing it for two million people, 
It is easy. It is light. But listen to me, you have to do it. You can't be careless. You can't be sloppy. You can't neglect the rod. The javelin for us is the word of God. You cannot neglect firing it constantly. That's the lesson. Please listen to our series, The Rod of God. What I want to emphasize to us again today, listen, people of God, don't have that impression that Moses just went, stretched his rod, touched the Red Sea, and Red Sea began to run. And then Moses went back home, lit his cigar. Joshua, let me know how, how far with the water. Uh-huh. Aaron, what? <laughs> that one is in film. Are you getting my point? Hey, what American thing, that's when it happens like that. In real life, no. No. The rod was up, the hands of Moses began to get weak. His shoulders almost broke. It took a whole night. It was only when the other side cleared up and he saw the correct channel that had been created that he dropped his hand and said, guys, next, let's start moving. Do you understand the point I've made so far? Your attitude is, I fired these scriptures two times. It worked a bit, but why is it not working all the time? And that's the problem. You know, Satan is very interesting. What he does is to distract us from the source of our strength. People, that's why they are more spiritual when they are poor. Yeah, you know, nobody's come to the office to look for you. You don't have clients, you don't have customers. So you wake up at five and pray till six, declare the word over your life, have a bad, get to the office on time. But then, as you begin to prosper, and listen, those are the things we have to be careful about in life. No, you see, there are things that come naturally. Those are the things that come naturally and we must fight. We must fight them deliberately. You must fight them deliberately. The source of strength, God made it clear to Joshua. It's not your strategy. That's why I took time out to explain that they had a strategy. Then God now showed us in that verse 18 of Joshua chapter 8, that, oh boy, it's not a strategy. Let me prove it there to, to you. The strategy, you will not command it. You will do real commanding. At that time, Moses was gone. He had taken the place of Moses. So you will also go to the mountain. You know, there was a time Moses was on the mountain. You went to the battle. Now you send somebody else in your place, like Moses. Go to the mountain. Stretch forth the real source of victory. You are getting my point. Stretch forth the real source of victory, which is the word of God. Like I was saying, yes, you can have your business plans. You can have your accountant. You can have your business strategy. You can have everything you want, that they, they know, all the plans. But remember, remember. Remember, that is not the source of strength. That is not the source of victory. You can jog all you want. You can take all the drugs you want to take to get well. Remember, that is not the source of victory. Look, God uses many things depending on what he wants to do and the level of our faith at different times. But remember, the word of God is what? The source of victory. That is why we lift it up persistently. It worked before the Arameans, sometimes they lift up their heads and they want to show up again. Let me, I just feel like saying that. People have different levels of faith. You know what I said? Yeah, people have different levels of faith. I've told this story a number of times. Gary Carpenter said there was a time he had cancer in his skin, melanoma. He and his wife prayed. He told his wife straight, listen, right now my faith is too weak. I don't have the strength to ask God for healing. His wife said, okay, what can we ask him for? What can your faith carry? He said that I can believe that it is not as bad as the doctor said. So his wife said, no problem. So they prayed. Both of them agreed and said, Lord, let this diagnosis 
not be as bad as the doctor said. Now, for those who understand, he had malignant melanoma. It's a form of skin cancer. White people fear it. It's very common with them. It's uncommon amongst us, although we do have a bit of it, but it's not very common. White people, it's their problem. And it's a horrible diagnosis to hear. It's one cancer that's horrible. Until recently, no effective treatment. So that's what they told him he had. He had the thing growing on his back. They checked it. Doctor says malignant melanoma. So his wife said, what do we do? Let's pray. He said, I can't. My faith is too low. Okay, what can you believe? I can believe it's not that bad. So they prayed and said, Lord, let it not be as bad as the doctor said. So the doctor referred them to MD Anderson Cancer Center. That was in Houston. They got there. That other doctor looked at the slides, looked at everything. And when they came back for the appointment, he said, I have news for you. What is the news? We just discovered that these melanomas come in different types. There is one particular type called superficial spreading. It's not standard in the job. Before that, it was new. He said, we found that there's a superficial spreading type, which has not eaten deep. Now, we found that that one can be cured. If we dig below the skin and can't do it, they told him a few things, and that is the type you have. Did you hear that? Yes. Exactly what they asked for. Lord, let it not be as bad as the doctor said. So the higher level doctor. That's why some of them that God cannot change the past. You don't know the God you're dealing with. God had rearranged things before they came. But then they got there, he had rearranged things and answered them properly. What is the source of his healing? Is it the doctor? He kept his appointment. Listen to this. He had his surgery. He had his treatment. Everything that he said they would do, they did. But he knew it is God that's meeting me at this level of my faith. The healing came from the Lord. Is that story I told that Ben, ben Carson told? A man and his wife who brought their son, who all that, all that doctor said, the boy was unconscious. He had a tumor in his brain. Every that doctor said, it's incurable. We just manage the boy. We know he will die in a few weeks. And the woman came and said to Ben Carson, she came with her husband, that the Lord said we should come and meet you, that you will treat this boy, and the boy will get well. And Ben Carson said, well, no problem. He's a Christian. He's used to Christians who have more faith than they really have. Are you getting my point? He's used to Christians making all kinds of requests. But he also is a Christian too, so he knows how to handle them. He didn't argue. He just collected his patient as if they didn't say anything. Reviewed the patient, checked all the papers sent to him, the investigation, the films, and gave them the same verdict. And said, sorry, there's nothing we can do. The boy will die by the next few weeks. We'll take care of him till he dies. Those folks say you don't understand. He is not going to die. You are going to treat him. And he is going to get well. That was what the Lord said. Now you say, why didn't they just, if they had that kind of faith, why didn't they just pray for him to get well at home? I don't know. Just like I told Gary Carpenter, this was what their faith could carry. And look, go and read the story. You know what happened? Exactly what he said. When the pressure was much on Ben Carson, he found a medical reason to start treatment. What was the medical reason? He said, okay, let me go and get my own biopsy. Well, take a piece of the tumor and find out whether it's exactly what the other people said. Let my own pathologist look at it. So he went there. He took a bit of the tumor and left. They did another film, another imaging, all right? CT scan, MRI of the brain. And to his surprise, the tumor was not exactly where they thought it was. They thought it was inside the one critical part of the brain, 
But in that caliph, and I was beside it and pressing on the other part because of the faith of that man and his wife. He discovered a faint line. Maybe their own machine is sharper than the other people's machine. Or, but he feels that because he took a bit of the tumor, he created a bit of space. It, you know, it became slightly smaller. Then by that space between the, the cancer and the rest of the brain that it was pressing on, because he thought it was inside. Now he found out that no, it's not inside, it is outside. Which is why nobody wanted to treat it before. Do you get the point? Now that gave him what? Boldness. He rushed back to theater and began to clear the tumor. Yuck, yuck. Removed as much of it as he could see. Cleared everything because the reason why he didn't want to touch it before is that it was inside a critical part of the brain. For those who know biology, brainstem. It was inside the brainstem. They thought. But now he found out that it was not inside but outside and was only pressing. So he removed the pressing. Was able to clear as much of the tumor as possible. Of course, within a few days, the young boy had woken up. Began to recover severely. You know what they call severe recovery. Are you getting my point? All right. He came to them and said, this is the next level of treatment. It's a cancer. We have to give anti-cancer drugs. You know what the parents said? No, it's not necessary. You've done what the Lord wanted you to do. He said, at that point in time, he was ready to believe anything they said. <laughs> so they refused the treatment that he knew they needed. And guess what? He saw the child. By the time he was writing the book, the last time he saw the child, the child was still well. The child was well. Nothing bad had happened to the child. Now, let me emphasize something here. Somebody may be listening to me. Some people think that, oh, I'm going to throw away all my medicine. If your faith detects that, please go ahead. But it's not proof you have faith. It can be, it can be proof that you're just a stubborn head. You don't listen. <laughs> yeah. It can be proof that you're a copycat. Yeah. Somebody said he threw it away. Listen to me. Ken Higgins' wife was sick. They took her to hospital. She took medicine for a long time. Until one day they were in a meeting. She, something, she just knew in her spirit that her healing was complete. So she threw, threw all the medicine. Didn't even tell her husband anything. And the husband said, I've not seen you take your medicine for a while. He said, oh, I'm perfectly fine. And the man said, amen. And the woman was perfectly fine all the days of her life. And she died a few years after her husband. She was almost 90 when she finally died decades later. I don't know why I feel like telling somebody that. See, if I'm taking medicine, does it mean I don't have faith? For some people, yes. You are, you are, your doubt is too much. <laughs> For some people, no. It's a level of faith. It doesn't mean God is angry. As long as you remember the strategies of Joshua. Are you getting my point? Yes, does not mean the javelin must not be on the mountain. The javelin must still be pointed towards I. So you are here, you have an appointment with the doctor tomorrow. Please go, no problem. But before you sleep this night, meditate on, I am the Lord that he led thee. Isaiah chapter 53, sit down on it. Himself took my infirmities and my diseases. By his stripes, I have been healed. For some people, the doctor will book surgery. The day before surgery, say, let's just repeat the CT scan. And they'll find nothing there again. So what happened? Say, so, was one medicine I was using while you were planning your surgery. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Yeah, for some people, that's what's going to happen. If they do what I'm saying consistently. Listen, I just feel like saying this. Don't put yourself under unnecessary pressure to impress yourself or impress somebody else. Do you get what I'm saying? 
Yes, I just, why am I talking about that? I think people here need to need, hear it. Don't put yourself under unnecessary pressure to impress yourself or somebody else. Just take your javelin, climb to the hill, point towards the healing site. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Point towards the battle zone. Hey, the doctor says he's going to operate on your eyes in two weeks' time. Don't quarrel with him. Don't say, I'm not going to come. You will see what my Lord will do. <laughs> He's not your enemy. Nobody who, are you not the one that carried your body and went and took card? <laughs> are you getting my point? You know, you turned it into a quarrel. I've seen people like that before. You know, the, the doctor, you know, they just get angry with you. you say, well, okay, what were you doing here? You did not know your God was able when you came to my clinic. I don't know whether you are following my point here. I mean, just now that he's offering you treatment you don't like, you are now shouting. Ay, ay, ay. Don't quarrel with the man. Don't quarrel with the woman. Just say thank you very much. If you don't like the surgery, intensify the javelin principle. I don't know. Are you getting my point? Shoot more arrows. Whether you like the surgery or not, like the mercy or not, don't stop shooting the arrows. Keep that word up. There are different levels of faith. Each person has a level. Keep on building your faith. That's what's most important. That's why I told the story of Ken Hagen's wife now. When, in fact, when she became ill, it was a word of knowledge. The husband traveled. He was sleeping. Suddenly he heard, an angel just told him, call your wife. So he said, okay, I'll call her later in the day. Tell her to go to the doctor. That's what the Holy Spirit said. So he said he checked, he checked, and realized that if I call at this time, the call is expensive. Let me wait till evening when the call is. You know the way it is, off-peak, that kind of thing. He said, so he laid down. Then the voice returned to him with urgency. Call her and tell her to go to the doctor now. So he realized it was serious. It was a long-distance call. So he went and called his wife. How are you doing? I can't remember what she said. Just said, look, go to the doctor now. As I'm talking to you, you know, I tell... Wife, sometimes, I tell my wife, don't, don't make me explain everything. I don't have to make sense to you before you do what I say. And wives, listen to it. Especially when you are blessed to have a spiritual husband like Pastor Murphy. Just. <laughs> no, you have your husband that prays, that believes in the word of God. He tells you something you want explanation. Like, you know what I tell my wife? I said, if a stranger explains, won't you obey? No, like you are, a stranger said, Madam, please don't pass that place. Say, why not? Please, the road is bad. And um, if you pass like this, your tire will hit nails. You know, you, won't you turn? So when your husband has to explain every time, you are not submissive, you are not obedient. You are treating him like a stranger. The privilege of being a husband is that I should be obeyed without my having to explain. Do you, you know, that's how it is. But some of these are our women. I'm an adult, now just explain to me. <laughs> It's very bad. It's very ungodly. It makes your husband sad. You might just be feeling like, eh? Now, wow. A prophet is not without honor, you know? It's not good. Anyway, let's get back to our story. He told his wife, go to the doctor now. It's something it had to do with some hormones, iron balance in her body. When he got to the doctor, the doctor was shocked she was alive. Doctor ran a few tests. He was supposed to be dead. As far as was concerned, if she delayed in coming, she would have died. 
The man who popularized faith to us is Kenneth Higino in modern times. Yeah, the husband, the, he told the wife, go to the hospital, uh, to the hospital now. No truth, he never used to go. He did not used to go anywhere. And he fell sick. His prostate became enlarged as an older man. And he said, what healed me long ago is working today. He turned and he prayed and the prostate shrank back. There was a day he, he went to the toilet to ease himself and it was blood that came out. He didn't shout, where is the urologist? He went to go and pray. He laid on the place of prayer and said, Lord, what is going on? Why is my whole man like me? I want urine. I don't want blood. What were you doing thinking about planting a church in Rima Bible Training Center? He said, Lord, it was just a thought. He said, why are you thinking such rubbish thoughts? He said, Lord, I'm sorry. Urine cleared. As the kind of man he was. Yeah, the same man told his wife, oh yeah, off to the doctor. And the doctor treated her and placed her on medicine that she took for months. And then one day they were in a meeting. The Holy Spirit touched her. And she knew that my healing is complete. And didn't tell her husband anything. The man only noticed later, you're not taking your medicine again. And the woman said, I'm fine. I stopped her Kelly weeks ago. Why? Because during this last meeting, I knew my healing was complete. No matter what's going on in your life, keep the rod of God up. Keep the javelin pointed in the right direction. Don't lose faith. I don't know whether I get my point. Because what happens to a lot of people is that sometimes, just because they've done something that they think is not totally in line with their, their hard faith, they think faith has been done away with. No. The fact that you see, they, they tell you that, okay, yes, we are going to the clinic by 8, and you wake up by 7, I mean, you are ready by 7, then you go to one corner, and you keep the Bible down, you sit on the floor, put the Bible between your legs, and you recite the scriptures for one hour. It's a sign of faith. It's a sign of faith. Listen to me, it's a sign of faith. It's a sign of faith. A time will come, you will have the assurance so sure. You're not trying to pretend. When they say, let's go, they say, go where? Clinic. Say, don't worry, I'm okay. He said, okay, it's all right, let's go there. Let me go and prove to you I'm okay. The doctor will just say, why do you bring this one here? Everybody will be confounded. The problem we often have is that we drop it just because it didn't work the way we thought it should work. We quickly drop it. That's the problem. Joshua went with his strategy, 30,000 soldiers, to fight a city of 12,000 people. But the Lord made it clear, keep that spear in your hand. Remember the way Moses used to do it? He said, yes, now go there, stretch your spear towards the city. Even though there are 30,000 people, even though they had 30,000 people fighting a city of total of 12,000 people, men, women, and children counted, yeah, he came with 30,000 soldiers. The soldiers in I were not up to 8,000. They were not up to 6,000. Because 12,000 included the old, the young, men, women, children. That means Joshua had the power to overwhelm them. Yet, he did not for one moment think that was a source of victory. Are you getting my point? He didn't personally go, that's why. And he went to the mountain and went and pointed his spear. Some of people have so much faith. If I go to India, I will be fine. People die in India. People die in America. I don't know about the current statistics. The last I knew, 50,000 people used to die every year in the U.S. from medical mistakes. Do you hear what I said? Not from their sickness. The mistake of their doctor. Almost 50,000 people die every year in the United States of America because the doctor made a mistake. There's a story I've told my wife many times, and I, think, I don't know what I've told it here. All right? 
I've told this story a number of times. I was told by a professor when I was in university. When he was a student, well, when he was a resident doctor in UK long ago, they wanted to operate a man that had cancer in one of his lungs. And as we doctors would do, sometimes a big man comes a little bit late because the preliminaries don't require his expertise. So he can be drinking his coffee while the young boys have started the surgery. Not a big deal, all right? Where they need his expertise, it may take them the next 30 minutes to get there. So it takes his time. It comes a little late. So the other boys have started the surgery. By the time he was getting in, they had raised the lungs. When they looked at the lungs, the lung was perfectly healthy. Ah! They said, what's going on here? So they called Oga. Oga looked at it, looked at the x-ray on the screen, said, this is not our patient. This was in London. It was in where? London. The man said, that's not the story. So, of course, naturally, what did they do? They quickly stopped the surgery, closed the man back up, except that the man died. 30-something-year-old man that came for a hernia, ordinary hernia. Hernia that doctors do in the you know, BQ. No, you may be laughing. I'm not joking. Doctors do it every day in BQ. No. Look, listen. <laughs> when we're house officers, our guys used to do it on dining table. I am not joking. They all find a patient, collect their money, put it in the back pocket. Put the patient on dining table. They will operate. Eh? Finish and the patient will be well. In a London hospital, they didn't even go near the hernia. The man died. Do I need to tell you about the young girl that died having, having, having had appendicitis in London? This is just last year here. Was it, was it earlier on this year? That last year, earlier on this year. So if you think salvation is in America or you have money to go to India, you won't go carry your javelin, cl- 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 climb dangerous places and talk to your body. You are looking for money. Listen, no matter what is going on, please oh, carry your spear. You know what I'm trying to say? Yes. The arrow of God. And continue striking. Continue striking. That's what I'm trying to preach. Continue striking. Continue striking. Continue striking. Continue striking. Okay, doctor gave you medicine to take. Take it. Don't worry. If that's what your faith can carry, it doesn't mean you don't have faith. Are you getting my point? It doesn't mean you don't have faith at all. It doesn't mean you don't have faith. Swallow it. But before you swallow it, you know what you do? Con- carry your javelin. Aim at the place that is paining you. One day, you know what happened to you? Listen to what I want to say. You will forget the medicine for one month. It's at the end of one month. You, ah, I used to take one medicine those days. By that time, you are perfectly well. Some people, doctor will be reducing their dose. Until doctor will say, what are you even looking for here? Because you refuse to reduce the dosage of the javelin and the arrow of God. That's what I'm talking about. That's my preaching for today. But Christians often take this all or none phenomenon. That is, if I don't have the faith of Kenneth Hagin, that he didn't take any doctor or medicine, that means I don't have faith at all. That's why I had to tell you, I think the Holy Spirit led me to tell you the story of his wife. That's why I told you the story of Gary Carpenter. No matter what your experience is, don't drop the arrow of God. Don't drop the javelin of the Almighty. Keep it fired up. Let's rise to our feet. Keep it fired up. Keep it fired up. Aim it at the source at the place of battle. Don't just drop it once. God didn't do it yesterday, so you leave it today. No. I told you last time I was in Lagos, I, I was preaching. When I finished preaching something similar to this, a woman came to me and said, Ah, let me give you a testimony. So one day I woke up and I realized, let me summarize it. I developed arthritis. One of the doctor, doctor checked everything, gave her medicine. She said, Ah, this medicine, if I start, when will I stop? So I'm not sure. I said, Doc, I'm coming. He took the meds, he went on a retreat. 
and began to fire the arrow of God. She returned for the retreat after like three days, still sick. But she knew in her body that she was well. The pain didn't let her walk as she was moving. But she kept on firing the arrow. Kept on firing the arrow. Then one day she remembered, ah, I used to have a pain in that right leg. She had forgotten. That's what I've made preaching. She came to me and said, ah, pastor, what you preached, I've experienced it in my life. Listen, don't drop that arrow. Don't drop it. Don't drop the javelin of God. Don't let your hand come down. It might look like it is wearing to the body. Don't let it come down. Are you getting my point here? Don't let it come down. You don't get instant results. You think, you think every time people get... Look, do you know how long it took Moses to divide the Red Sea? One whole night. One whole night of keeping the rod of God. Or please, if you have not listened to this series, go and listen to it. The rod of God. Keep it up. What did I say? Keep it up. Don't drop it. Let me tell you this man. Don't drop the arrow of God. That's a very nice one. It's the arrow of God. Don't let any the, the, the things. That's what I just feel like saying strong this evening. Don't allow those things that appear like lack of faith make you change your mind. Don't, don't, don't let it. Don't let it. Don't let it. If they booked you for surgery next week, should I go and count the surgery? Don't worry. The doctor will cancel it by himself. Did you hear what I said? Don't worry about the cancellation. Spend time on your arrow. Spend time firing it. Spend time aiming the javelin. I hope you're getting my point. I feel like we should just pray for healing. Let's just pray for everybody. Open your Bibles. That's how to pray. Prayer is the word of God lifted up on the mountain. Isaiah chapter 53. Prayer is God's word lifted up on the mountain. Let's read... um, Verse 4. We are going to read from verse 4 to verse um, 6. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Read it in any, 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 any translation you have. Is your Bible? Is your body? Is the body of your children? Any translation you have, read it. Amen? Amen. One to let's go. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the chastening for our well-being fell upon him. By his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. We read verse 4, right? Yes, sir. We read verse 5, right? Yes. And we read verse 6. One good turn deserves another. Let's read it again. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Everybody say after I'm saying the name of Jesus. My pains, my griefs, my sorrows, they have been nailed to his cross. Say in the name of Jesus. Now I am free. Pain has been condemned. Sicknesses are gone. Now I am free. free. Say in the name of Jesus. Jesus. He took my sicknesses. He took my my pains. He took my my infirmities. 
nail them to his cross. Say, now I am free. Say, in the name of Jesus, the spirit of infirmity leaves my body now. Because Jesus has paid. Say, in the name of Jesus, he is my doctor. He is my doctor. And with him, nothing is incurable because nothing is impossible. Therefore, every affliction in my body, from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, is cured, is healed by the power of his blood in the name of Jesus. No matter the name he goes by, every name is subject to the name of Jesus. I speak to that sickness. I speak to that sickness. Now I call it by its name. Now no matter the name they have given you right there. Eh? No, 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 no. I'm talking to you now, please. No matter the name they have given you, all right, as a, you know, as a diagnosis, I want you to speak to it now and say to it in the name of Jesus. You are under the blood in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is higher than you. You are praying for yourself now. Use your own words. I speak to you. Now, the thing may be on top of your head, inside your head, inside your brain, in your blood, in your intestines, whatever it is. Say the blood of Jesus has paid. The name of Jesus is higher than your name. Call it any name. Say that name, you are inferior to the name of Jesus. Therefore, you bow. 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 Therefore, I am free. Therefore, I am free. Therefore, I am free. Say, I am healed. It may be diabetes. I curse diabetes in your body now in the name of Jesus. Be gone. Be gone. Be gone. Whatever be the name, hypertension, you are healed in the name of Jesus. Kidney stones, in the name of Jesus, it dissolves and it leaves you alone now. Because Jesus is the healer. Because Jesus is the healer. Keep that arrow firing. Keep that javelin pointed in the name of Jesus. Healing is in your body. Now prophesy over the life of your children. Your child may be at home. He is sick. She is sick. Prophesy. There is no distance in the realm of the spirit. Because of this, you have control over your child's life. Say in the name of Jesus, be well. I speak the word of God to you. Himself took your infirmities and your diseases. By his stripes, you have been healed. By his stripes, you have been healed. By his stripes, you have been healed. Speak it. Speak the word. Keep that arrow firing. That is the word of God. That's the source of our victory. That's the source of our victory. It's not the medicine they are giving. That's not the source of our victory. Joshua's victory is not 30,000 soldiers against the 12,000 people in I. Joshua's victory is not 30,000 soldiers. Joshua's victory was that javelin stretched out. He did not withdraw that javelin until they are totally won. Do not withdraw these words. Keep on speaking them. Say, in the name of Jesus, I receive freedom. The same spirit, now remember, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in me, is giving life to my mortal body. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in me, is giving life to my mortal body. In the name of Jesus, I am healed. Life is working in me. Life is working. The process of healing is going on. It's going on. This process of healing is going on. In the name of Jesus, the process of healing is going on. The process of healing is going on. The process of healing is going on. Yes, because life is working. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead 
That same spirit is giving life to my mortal body. Life is working. My kidney is waking up. My brain is waking up. My muscles are waking up. My heart is becoming stronger. My heart is strengthening in the name of Jesus. My mind is becoming sharp in the name of Jesus. My body is getting stronger in the name of Jesus. Say, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in me. is giving life to my mortal bodies. Listen, that same principle applies to your finances. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. That's why I don't want. Yeah, it's not because I have a good job. That's not part of the confession, but I'm happy you said it anyway. The reason why you have a good, uh, you are supplied is because the Lord is my shepherd. Are you getting my point? No matter how much you are being paid, every month they give you a check, 1.5 million salary. Go back to the, to the mountain. Keep your spear pointed. Keep the arrow firing. Otherwise, you earn 1.5 million, you will see 1.9 million trouble. I'm telling you, at the end of every month, you'll be recording... A deficit of 400,000, you'll be wondering. It's because you thought that what's life about? After 1.5 million is more than a man can Which was exactly what happened to Israel. They said, I is a small place. Just send a few people. Are you getting my point? Let's prophesy again. Say in the name of Jesus. All my needs are supplied because the Lord is my shepherd. Say in the name of Jesus. All my needs are supplied because the Lord is my shepherd. Say one more time, say in the name of Jesus. All my needs are supplied only because the Lord is my shepherd. He makes all grace abound towards me. I have all sufficiency in all things. And I abound to every good work because the Lord is my shepherd. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. I do not fear lack. I do not fear lack. No matter the country I live in, I do not fear lack. Say, the country I live in is not my God. It's not the source of my blessing. And it cannot take my blessing away. It's not the source of my blessing. And it cannot deny me my blessing. Say, I will sow in my land. In the same year, I will reap a hundredfold. I will become richer until I become very great. Say, this is my season of multiplication. This is my season of dominion. In the name of Jesus Christ. Say, the spirit of Christ is working in me. And it's giving life to my finances. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is removing lack from my life and is bringing abundance in. Say it in my finances. Life is working. It's important. Say in my finances. Life is working. I am fruitful. I multiply. I have dominion. I'm richer today 
than I was yesterday. And my path is shining brighter and brighter. In the name of Jesus. Because the Lord is my shepherd. Not because of what I have. Not because of where I live. Not because of who I know physically. But because the Lord is my shepherd. People of God, that is the arrow of God. Are you getting my point? That is how it works. That's the arrow of God. You tell yourself all the time, the Lord is my shepherd. It's not my office as my shepherd. So when they don't pay salary, stop whining. All of these are temptations. They pay two days late. Say, which kind of country are we in? These bosses are very wicked. They just want somebody to die. Eh? They just want us to die. You know what you are saying? My boss is my shepherd. I hope he remembers me. That's what you are saying. Are you getting my point? Remember I told us earlier, no matter what be the strategy, if for now the strategy is that I get paid a monthly salary, are you getting my point? It doesn't matter. The Lord is my shepherd. If, by, if for now it's, it, it means that I own a shop, you will patronize me at the end of the month, I do my accounts, and I get something from it, it doesn't matter. The Lord is my shepherd. Are you getting my point? And if I go from one place to the other, I'm a preacher, and I'm expecting on the radio, on the radio to come to me, fine. It doesn't matter. The Lord is my shepherd. And if for now, <laughs> I live with my parents, and they pay my school fees, they give me pocket money, I have to go and knock on my daddy's door in the morning while I'm talking to my son. Uh, I have to knock on my daddy's door in the morning and ask him for money before I can go to school in the morning. It doesn't matter. The Lord is my shepherd. Are you getting my point here? No matter what it is, I must not forget that what? The Lord is my shepherd. Let's declare it in the name of Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want because he is my shepherd. Lack is not my portion. Because he's my shepherd, life is not my lack is not my portion. Say life is working in my finances. Listen to me. You may not have all the money you think you should have, but listen to me, you will not lack. May God give somebody listening to me today wisdom. Many people, you know the reason why they lack? Lack of sense. Lack of sense. Marks themselves out. They say, Spy is doing Black Friday. What was white in your life that you want to paint black? You don't need anything, you are going there. You think the people are stupid? They have sense. There's nothing black about the Friday. It's a normal Friday. They don't. <laughs> They've checked all their calculations. Everything they are saying to you, Chief, go to some other shop. You get it that price tomorrow, next week. If you don't have money on Black Friday, don't go anywhere. They say, yeah, you get it cheap. Oh, God, that is how they deceive people. If you had money, good, get it cheap. If you don't have, don't go into debt because it is cheap. Whether it is cheap or expensive, you don't have, you don't have. Are you getting my point? A lot of people, the reason why they lack, because they lack sense. I was reading today, now they said somebody is offering iPhone 10, that's in the UK, for 100 pounds a month. Fine. If you're earning 10,000 pounds a month, it makes sense. But if, if you have to be thinking about it, what are you collecting like iPhone X for? No, this phone is not the truth. They all do the same thing. Okay, now. <laughs> they, 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 they all do the same thing. All of them can do WhatsApp, Facebook, take your call, send messages, collect messages. Whether this is 12,000 in Phoenix, 
or the 400,000 iPhone 8 Plus. They all do what? You know, if you call me, I don't know the phone you are calling me with. Do you understand? It's only insecurity and need to show up. You don't have to be holding your phone like this. Showing everybody what you are using. That's why you don't have money. That's why you are broke. And that's why the Lord doesn't answer you. He said, why should I support your irresponsibility? You confide in the name of Jesus, I want an iPhone 10. If I give you anointing 10, you know. <laughs> you know, God is a good father. He does not support irresponsibility. God is any money you have never been able to give as an offering. Why should, I, why should you use it for a phone? That's how you check your life. I want to buy a phone. I'm saving 200,000. God said, no problem. Before that, you, I, I'm sure you have given offering at least three times, 200,000. If you haven't done that, if you buy that phone, I will break it. You know, God said they shall gather, I shall surely scatter. You think it's only for grain? It does it for a phone too. The Lord is good. Am I talking to somebody? Stop calling your uncle because you need a phone. Call your uncle because it's his birthday. I want to send him a shirt. You know, why is the entire they get your phone call? They know there's a problem. The Lord is good. In the name of Jesus, the Lord is your shepherd. Amen. And you will not lack. Amen. He will make all grace abound towards you. Amen. You will have all sufficiency in all things. Amen. And you will abound to every good work. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's give a lot of thanks. Just say, Father, we thank you. Just give a lot of thanks in your own words. Thank him because of freedom. Thank him because of freedom. Thank him because of freedom. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Now let's do our closing incantation. One, two, let's go. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. Live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication and dominion. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Now, can you bless somebody beside you? Tell the person, this is your season. This is your season of multiplication and dominion. In the name. Bless somebody else. This is your season.